Good evening, dear brothers and sisters, dear friends, dear listeners of Kardec Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Life After Life Spirit Reports by Alan Kardec. We're basing our study on the beautiful book Heaven and Hell. In the second part of Heaven and Hell, Alan Kardec gifts us with a multitude of spirit reports. Um, spirits from different categories, from the happy spirits, those who have lived a life that allowed them a life after life, which is more satisfying and more happy, to suicides, um, suffering spirits, a multitude of categories. Currently, we are studying spirits reporting back who committed a suicide in their previous incarnation. And we are grateful, we are learning from them because we learn of what not to do. And then we turn it around and we see as a guidepost of how we can work on our own inner transformation today by studying and practicing what we're studying so that we can avoid pitfalls that spirits who came before us did possibly not know. So let us start with a little prayer. Let us close our eyes if we can, and let us open our hearts and minds, and let us connect with God and Jesus, our guide and model. Let us connect with our mentors and the mentors of this group, and let us also connect with the mentors of Kardec Radio, with so much gratitude for allowing us all to meet in this intercontinental classroom where we can learn new ways, new concepts, new knowledge of how we can transform ourselves. Starting today, inspired by the immortal wisdom that comes through these beautiful books from many different spirits on high. It is also with gratitude to the spirits who allowed themselves to be invoked, teaching us about their experience on the other side. We're praying that we will be able to incorporate and assimilate the lessons that will come through tonight. And with this, we're starting our study session, and so be it. Thank you, dear friends. Let us say hello to the community. There is Tony. Hi, Tony. So nice to see you again two times today. And our dear friend, Carol Cohea. Thanks, Carol. I'm so honored to have you, dear friend. Thank you for coming and joining us tonight. And let's see, there is also, oh yeah, it's those two. There are a few more people I see, so please say hello. It's so much fun to know who is there and please ask questions and suggestions so we can make this interactive. It makes it more fun for all of us. So dear friends, if you want to follow along, we're going to this um, book, Heaven and Hell, on page 417 in the category of suicides and we're going to study today Felicien. Felicien was a wealthy and educated man, a spirited poet of good character, kind, very amiable and completely honorable. He sounds good, doesn't he? Bad investments had ruined his fortune, however, and since he felt his age, would not permit him to restore his fortune, he gave in to discouragement and hanged himself in his bedroom in December of 1864. He was neither a materialist nor an atheist, but a man of a somewhat superficial nature and little concerned about life beyond the grave. So our friend Felicien was wealthy, he was educated, he seemed to be an honorable man. But when his fortune turned and he lost money, he also lost his courage and he hanged himself. 
we're also learning that he was a little superficial of nature and he did not concern himself with matters beyond the grave in other words with life after life and we know how important that is since our incarnation is but a very brief period in on the long lifeline of our soul so it is important to know to know where we're coming from why we're here and where we're going and spiritism and the study of Alan Kardec's books and all the other books that exist is very important in helping us to understand what our true mission is here during our life and Felicien will help us understand some aspects. So we're not going to read the whole entire case but we will be picking out those items that we consider um, important for our study tonight. So he was evoked and um, he was asked how he feels and what is going on with him, what his experience is on the other side. And he says, I could not escape the embarrassment of my financial situation any other way. So remember, he hung, hanged himself. So he could not escape the embarrassment of his financial situation. Right here in our first sentence, let us pause for a moment. Why do we think Felicien was embarrassed about his financial situation or the lack uh, thereof? He lost money, apparently. Well, it is very easy to understand when we see that one of the most important faults that all of us, most likely all of us on planet Earth, have to a certain degree which is, and you can guess it, it's the antidote to charity, it's the vice of all vices, it's the root cause of all evil, which is, dear friends, pride. Pride, which is the parent, the mother of selfishness, which is the child. We know in our own family situations that it is usually the mother, the parent, that feeds the child under normal and usual circumstances. In this case, it is pride that feeds selfishness. And then selfishness, of course, is always linked to pride. So our friend must have been prideful because he was embarrassed that he didn't have the money that he used to have. Pride is the root cause of all evil. Why is that? It is because it feeds further. It feeds hatred. It feeds envy. It feeds, it can lead to murder and of course to suicide as we see now. Because when our passions run wild, we do things that we regret later. And suicide is just one example of our passions have gone wild. It is in the Spirit's book where Alan Kardec asked a good question about passions, whether they're good or evil, so to speak. And we learn from the spirits on high that passions are essentially something we all have. And it's very important that we're passionate because if we educate and train our passions to do the good, it gives us a lot of energy, right friends? It's very important to feel impassioned or passionate about things because then we get things done. However, if our passions are running wild, and actually the spirits draw a beautiful example, they compare the passions to a horse. And they say, if the horse is not reined in and does the reining, does the controlling, which means when the passions are going out of control, then we're having a problem. Then things like suicide, murder, and um, other conflicts come into being. And we're wondering, was our guide and model ever prideful? Did he display any signs of pride? Well, the answer is no. And the prime example, of course, throughout his entire life, everything, his entire life shows a life of lack of pride. But one of the prime examples is when Jesus went on his knees and washed 
the disciples' feet. That was the ultimate expression of humility, which is the opposite of pride. Washing his disciples. Here is the governor of this planet. And as we've learned recently, a governor of five different planets. And he goes on his knees and he washes his disciples' feet. And they were not the feet that we have these days, nicely groomed and manicured, uh, pedicured, actually. No, these were feet that were actually walking barefoot or in very loose, very little sandals with a lot of foot exposure in the dust, in the dirt. So that is something, that is a picture that we're invited to keep in our minds, to work on our own pride, to ask ourselves where we can reduce our own pride, where in life do we still exemplify traits of pride? Because we see here in our friend's case, it led him to suicide. Let me see, I see some beautiful people saying, there's Jenny, hello dear Jenny. Thank you so much for joining us. You're saying hello, are you doing readings? No, we're not doing readings, but we are reading parts of this book right now. So we're very grateful that you've joined us tonight. And then um, like the reports in the book, Memoirs of a Suicide, exactly, Carol. It's the exact same thing. As a matter of fact, we will be quoting the book later on. It is a fantastic book. It is big and chock full of information on what happens, the, the um, result, the consequences of people who've committed suicide. And it shows us in greater detail, in greatest details of all the different facets and aspects of it. It's a fantastic book. Thanks for, for reminding us, Carol. So let us see. So our friend was embarrassed about his financial situation. Are we sometimes embarrassed about our financial situation? It is a good question that for us, we invited to take to our own hearts and it will show us it's the litmus test of how much pride we are carrying in within ourselves. Yes, thank you so much, Carol. Thank you for the knowledge of immortality. Thanks to the good spirits and Alan Kardec's beautiful, dedicated work. He is another guide for us, isn't he? So, um, so then we go on and he says, right now, all I need are prayers, he says. All I need is prayers. Why would he say that, we're wondering? Why would our friend need prayers at this point? Well, for that, Alan Kardec had the same question. In the Spirit's book, he said, what happens when we pray? Essentially, he said that. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said, so what happens? What are the effects of our prayer? What happens? And the answer is, well, when we pray, when we pray, we lift up our thoughts and connect with God. And it draws our souls nearer to our Creator. So it is a highway to God because our thinking is now elevated and connects to God, to Jesus, to any spirits we connect with. And as a result of this connection, we draw in benevolent spirit helpers that even though sometimes or often our situations cannot be lifted from us, they will help us endure any given demanding and challenging situation easier. They will console us, whisper good thoughts into our ears, in our mind, and help us to have more courage. And this is what Felicien is longing for. He wants us to help him by praying, by connecting to God and sending benevolent spirits into his direction for help, for support. It is in Liberation, one of André Luiz's books, where prayer, a beautiful sentence, I found a beautiful sentence about prayer. Prayer is the only means for mobilizing the higher mental reserves for psychic replenishment 
and that is what our friend is looking for. It is the only means for mobilizing higher mental reserves. The connection with our hearts and minds to God creates these mental reserves that we will be mobilized and they will help with our psychic replenishment. They will help with our feelings of rehabilitation and adjustment. They will help us to feel more peaceful and calm, more resigned. So dear friends, prayers are a very important and powerful tool to help others and ourselves through the connection to the divine. So let us see what our friend is saying next. Just looking at messages. I don't want to overlook any one of you. I'm seeing so many friends, but I don't see any more names. Well, okay, so here we go. Especially pray that I may be freed from these awful spirits close by. Well, we learn in the memoirs of a, of a suicide and also actually in heaven and hell that the so-called hell we're creating, um, the so-called hell we might be experiencing in life after life is something we create for us of on our own and it is based on our thinking and as we think we emit and as we emit we attract so if we have this distressed thought patterns like when we've committed suicide like our friends our friend felician who are we attracting on the outside we're attracting like-minded spirits and if we're distressed, then the spirits around us will be distressed. And this is what our friend is experiencing. They hound me with their laughter, their howls, and infernal scornful mockery. We're also reminded of Nosolar um, when Andre Louise is in the umbral. And it's described very clearly of what a hellish place it was. And when you watch the movie, when we watch the movie, we see the scenes when the spirits are howling and, and, and screaming and, and moving through slush and I'm sure you've seen it all. They rightly call me a coward for it is cowardice to renounce life. And we've had exactly the same thing come up in every single suicide case. That suicide is lack of courage. Love. The word courage is linked to the heart. Le cœur in French means the heart. So we're losing heart. We don't, we're losing heart for our life. We don't have the strength to face our, our lives. It is in the book, Memoirs of a Suicide, and it's actually by um, Ivani Pereira. Um, it's through Ivani Pereira by the spirit Camilo um, Candido Branco and um, their cowardice is described as the hydra that pulls humans on earth into the abyss. It is a hydra. Can you imagine? Just picture that picture. It is something very tempting for a weak spirit to be pulled into. And we may all have been in situations where we lack courage to do certain things or to move forward or to shift our lives, to start new habits. It, it doesn't matter in what realm in our lives, we need courage. And suicides have all one thing in common, for sure one thing in common, and that is cowardice, lack of courage. Courage is a glorious testimony. This is another um, quote from um, the Memoirs of a Suicide. Courage is a glorious testimony to the will, to patience and moral bravery, which is the opposite of cowardice, right? So we know that cowardice is the hydra, but courage now is a glorious testimony to the will, to patience and moral bravery all of which are necessary for spiritual progress. 
Now, why the will? Why is it a glorious testimony to the will? Well, again, what we learn in this particular book is that all suicides are lacking willpower. The will, which is something we learn in thought in life, the will, actually, the mind is like a corporation. And a corporation has many different departments. Well, it has the department of the memory, it has the department of, of um, um, desires, and so forth and so on. But it also has the department of the will. And the will is the CEO of the corporation. Because as we all know, without our own willpower, nothing will happen. If I'm addicted to bread and eat bread 24-7 every single day of my life, and I know it's not good for me, and I want to break that habit, what do I need? I need willpower. I need to engage my will to tell my mind to act on not reaching for this loaf of bread again the next day. My friends, so the will needs to be educated and that is something that suicide cases are lacking. Let us pause for a moment because I'm seeing beautiful friends joining and I don't want to miss to say hello. My bifocals, that's why I'm turning my head. Hi Teresa, nice to see you dear friend. And there is Sarita, blessings to you too. And um, is it true that the spirit of a suicide person stays in limbo for a while? And then there's Lisa Telly's dear friend, nice. Thank you for joining. Um, yes, every case is different, of course. So we can't generalize. Um, but from what we've learned from the books, from the studies, is that in depending on, on, on the situation, it can take a long time that um, suicides get reincarnated. But on the other hand, it can also go pretty quickly. So there is no fast uh, rule as to how long a spirit spends on the spirit side. It all depends on many different circumstances of how they live their lives. And we recommend the cases um, here in Heaven and Hell, uh, focused on suicides for educational purposes also um, in the spirits book, this um, subject is addressed. And then, of course, we mentioned it earlier, this book, Memoirs of a Suicide by the Spirit, Camilo Cancandido Branco and through Ivani Pereira, um, which gives really the most detailed account on some examples. Again, it's not the entirety, but some examples of different suicides and their experiences on the other side. So we said that courage is a glorious testimony to the will, to patience and moral bravery, and all of them are necessary for our spiritual progress. So what is the antidote to suicide now? We know that lack of willpower, cowardice, are some of the commonologies of suicide cases, but what is the antidote? And that is for us to learn to focus on nurturing in us. It is patience and resignation. What is resignation? Resignation is the surrender of the heart. So we need patience and resignation, and that is the recipe for moral courage. And that is what we are invited tonight, and of course, every single day, to nourish in ourselves to make sure that we practice patience and resignation. It is in chapter 8 of Nova, the good news, where Jesus speaks to Bartholomew and he tells us the definition of the followers of Jesus. And this is a gift for us to remind ourselves what are the three ingredients for us to become followers of Jesus. You can guess what is number one, courage. Courage is number one. Number two is hope. And number three is joy. So we're moving through life joyfully with courage and always hope. That is our goal. And we're asking for support 
to be able to practice to be better followers of Jesus. And so we will never fall into the pit of taking our lives or even getting close to it. And it's not just about ourselves. It is also to help our friends, whoever is struggling in their lives, whoever is dealing with negativity and depression, to help them, to help them, to educate them. Right, friends? All right, so, um, they write me, call, called me a coward and to renounce life. Now, now, this is really interesting. This is the fourth time I've succumbed to this trial in spite of my strong intent not to fail. Dear friends, Felicien murdered himself, took his own life four times in a row, not in one lifetime, but in four different lifetimes. So every single time he is tempted to do it again. And that happens. That is something that we also learn in the um, memoirs of a suicide, that the temptation exists for a suicide who has committed suicide once to do it again. It is just a temptation which is where what we're doing tonight, education and practicing the lessons where the strength, the renewal comes from. And that is why we're here tonight to bring awareness to the ingredients to avoid suicide in the future. So four times he has done it. And then he says, um, fatalism, he calls it fatalism. But in a minute, we will revisit that statement on, on by him because it's not quite correct. Now, we have the small print by Alan Kardec. Let us read what he says. Even though this particular suicide was committed as a result of very common circumstances, what he means is people not having enough money, seeing financial ruin, and they don't want to keep living. So these are very common circumstances. This case nevertheless displays a special characteristic. What might that be? It shows us a spirit who has succumbed many times to the same trial, which has been renewed with each existence and which will be repeated as many times as he lacks the strength to resist it. Remember, he took his life four times in a row in four different lifetimes. It is the confirmation of the principle that if the purpose of improvement for which we have incarnated is not reached, we have suffered without profit and will thus have to start all over again until we emerge victorious from the struggle. So if we do not improve and we fall into the same pit, so to speak. We commit the same mistake over and over again. We add insult to injury. We make matters worse for us. And we certainly don't progress. Let us go back to memoirs of a suicide. And here is another section that helps us to understand this. And it says, this is quote unquote, reincarnation is a corrective measure. It's a beautiful definition, isn't it, friend? Friends, to see a reincarnation, our reincarnation, as a corrective measure of what we've done before. Our struggles will go away once the cause, that is, the evil on which the acts were based, is corrected. I'm going to say this again, and it's exactly mirroring what Alan Kardec, at a very different, much, much earlier than um, this book was written, The Memoirs of a Suicide, said too. I always love it when we find the same information from di different times in history from very different resources. So here's what we're learning. Reincarnation is a corrective measure. Our struggles will go away once the cause, which is the evil or the ignorance, on which the acts were based is corrected. It is the beautiful, it's a beautiful explanation of the law of cause and effect. Once we 
have done with once we've learned our lesson once as he says we've corrected the evil we've committed which is the cause for our struggles the effect will go away once felician will understand in his next incarnation that even though he will most likely be tempted to take his life again that that is not the right cause of action once he gets that he understands it and he lives his life um, to its fullest to the end the effect his struggle will fall away because he's learned the lesson and that is something that we can take into our own hearts and minds today and reflect back onto our own struggles what is it that we need to learn and change what is it that we are invited to transform because once we've done it once we've gotten the courage together to change ourselves to change our habits starting with our thinking our life will become easier the effect will go away the effect which is always the um not always but in this case the struggle will go away it will become easier and the other thing that we're realizing which is very important is there's nothing happening to us we're never the victims of anything we always have caused everything that we are experiencing either in this incarnation or in previous incarnations so there is no victim and there is no perpetrator it is us it's all the seeds we planted in the past that we are reaping the harvest of today and as we go through our lifetimes we're putting new seeds into our garden of eternity and those seeds will bear fruit eventually and they will be harvested by nobody else other than us all right friends let us go back here so remember he said he sees the fact that he took his life four times is fatalism and this will be addressed now what you call fatalism is nothing but your own weakness because if there were such a thing as fatalism people would cease to be responsible for their actions and we just said we are entirely responsible for our actions and the effects of our actions Oh, you're welcome. You're so welcome. I hope it helped. And thank you for asking the question. Um, thank you. That is very, um, it is very good for all of us to look at things from a different angle. And I'm seeing Carol saying, beautiful, putting new seeds in the garden of eternity. Isn't that beautiful? I often envision a little garden and hopefully not too many thistles in it. Right, Carol? <laughs> because we don't like thistles. Thistles are painful. Um, even though when they bloom they can be very beautiful too so for those of you who live in thistle country like we in California there are really beautiful thistles too so fatalism so he says you know there is no such a thing as fatalism people would cease to be responsible for their actions so let us pause for a moment because fatalism is an interesting um, thing for us to understand because um, Alan Kardec was wondering about that too so he asked, you know, does fatalism exist? And it's in question 851 in the Spirits book. And uh, there is a subchapter um, that he dedicates, you can find it in the Spirits book on fatalism. And it would be, um, it would be interesting to read it as an, as an adjunct to our chapter today, because we're dealing a little bit with fatalism and Felicien misunderstood fatalism. He thought, the fact that he took his life four times was fatalism. And we're now being here and, and we are educated that that is not true. So fatalism only exists, and this is the answer from the Spirits on High in the Spirits book to Alan Kardec's question. Fatalism only exists when applied to the choice made by spirits upon incarnating to undergo this or that trial. I am only referring to trials of a physical nature. So we as spirits, not always, always, because sometimes we're so deranged and so incapable, we're not allowed to make our own choices anymore. We're not allowed to co-create. 
um, in the forefront of our next incarnation. But very often we have a choice in our physical trials. And when, let's for example, use an example. If I am poor in my lifetime, no financial means, it is most likely a trial that I co-created for myself. For, so for me to learn new lessons for my soul growth, that would be considered a physical, a trial of a physical nature. Now, when I get incarnated, of course, or most likely, I will have forgotten about having chosen that as a trial for myself to be poor. And now I have a moral choice to make. That's where my free will comes in. I can either kick and scream for 85 years, let's assume that's how long I live, or, and maybe even take my life, or I can make the best of it and recognize it if I'm educated in the spiritual, spiritual sense, to recognize it as a trial, as a, as a um, possibility for me to learn new lessons, to become more patient, to surrender to the lesson of poverty. So he says, and in that case, it is not fatalism. It may be recognized as that, okay, so I'm poor in my life and I'm the victim. I can't do anything about it. I have nothing to do with this, but that is not true. That's what we're learning now. So it appears as fatalism, but it's not. It is a co-creation from us. And so then he makes a distinction. I'm only referring to trials of a physical nature, which is, for example, poverty. As for moral trials and, and temptations, spirits preserve their free will to choose good or evil. So we always have free will. And that is really important for us to remember. And Felicien had free will. He chose to take his life. So it was not a predestined thing to take our lives. That is not something we, that is not a, a trial, a physical trial, we, a physical, um, it's not something that we predestined before we incarnate. Let us go to the memoirs of a suicide for this one too, because there is a wonderful page on page 338 dedicated essentially to fatalism for us to understand it even further because it can be a little bit of a complicated subject to to understand so here we learn common sense states that people cannot be ruled by the blindness of an abominable fatalism rather you should understand that what you call fatalism what we call fatalism is nothing but the effect of a cause if I'm poor in one lifetime, it is the effect of a cause that I created in a previous lifetime. It is something that I need to experience. So fatalism is nothing but the effect of a cause that men and women themselves created by what they did in the past while incarnate, living divorced from the good morality and duty, or while in the spirit world, when having strayed from the law, they became brutish in the darkness they have surrounded themselves with. So if we stray from the law of love, and we will be talking about this in a minute, we're most likely creating some anguish for ourselves. That would be the cause for a painful or more challenging effect. It is the spirit itself through the good and evil it commits that determines the consoling or punitive nature of its own future. It is those seeds we put into our garden of eternity. Of course, there is fatalism, if you will, but not the blind fatalism that reduces people to mere toys. Remember, we co-create. Rather, it is a fatalism that is the logical, intelligently corrective outcome of criminal trans transgressions, an outcome brought about by their own free will for having preferred wrongdoing 
instead of the dictates of reason and conscience. I'm going to repeat this because this is really important. And there is any words I would be using not making it clearer, I believe. So it is a fatalism that is the logical, intelligently corrective outcome of criminal transgressions, law of cause and effect, an outcome brought about by their own free will for having preferred wrongdoing instead of the dictates of reason and conscience. Therefore, since it is a corrective measure, this state of things goes away once the cause, the evil on which the acts were based, is corrected. Consequently, we will have lifetime after lifetime where we get the blessed opportunity of undoing past wrongs, of changing the effects that by learning the lessons so that we will not repeat like our friend Felicien the mistake of taking his life four times in a row. And of course, our lesson might be very different. And it is for us to ask our own selves therapeutically tonight, which lessons have we repeated over and over and are now ready to learn, to change, to change our ways. That is our inner transformation. All right, friends, let's go back to Felicien. We have a couple more things to wrap it up. So we learned about fatalism. There are always free. Um, so people will, um, will cease to be responsible. So we're always responsible for our own actions because we have free will. They are always free. And so we're always free. And in such freedom lies our greatest privilege. It is a privilege to have free will and to use it to the good, to visualize the good, to feel the good, to speak the, the good, to mold the good with all the resources we have at hand, always focusing on the good in ourselves and others, always doing the good. God did not want to make them into moving blindly obedient automations, that's us. So we are not meant to be blindly obedient automations. He gave us free will. If their freedom renders them fallible, it also renders them perfectible. And that's the beautiful thing. We have, that's our will, our free will used to the good. We can, are always perfectible. And it is only through perfection that they will attain to supreme happiness. Perfection. One last time, let us pause and let us look at the beautiful commandment by Jesus, be perfect. Why did he say be perfect? Is it too high a stake for us? Do we feel intimidated by hearing, being invited to be perfect? Let us not be intimidated. Instead, let us see what does it mean to be perfect? Perfect is to be charitable. Why is perfection charitability, being charitable? Well, as we learn in the gospel, charity is, and we know that even aside from that, is the highest virtue. It's the virtue of all virtues. All virtues are included in charity. So if we become more charitable, we become more perfect and eventually we will be perfect. So what does charity mean? In the Spirit's book, the Spirit's on High defined it as being benevolent towards all, which means having goodwill towards all, seeing the good in others. And it is further defined as being indulgent towards other people's imperfections. So again, we're seeing the good in other people. We're seeing the positive the good traits, and they may be physical as well as psychological, emotional. And lastly, the third part of charita being charitable, according to the spirits on high, is to become more, to be forgiving, to forgive others' offenses. So it is something that we can actually easily remember, FBI, 
forgiveness, benevolence, and indulgence. FBI. That is charity. So we, we won't forget now anymore. So to become more charitable, eventually we will be perfect. By practicing charity, we practice the law of love. The law of love invites us to love all brothers and sisters alike. To love mankind doesn't matter whether they're murderers or our enemies, our so-called enemies. But it also means actually not just mankind. It means loving the animals, loving plants, loving Mother Earth. Let us become more to recycle more, to be more conscious of what we, how we are polluting the earth. Let us become more charitable towards Mother Earth as well. It is something we often forgive, forget as we are focused on our interchange from spirit to spirit. So we're invited to practice the law of love, which means loving all brothers and sisters and always remembering that there is no salvation without charity. Charity is at the core of our inner transformation, which brings us completely away from selfishness and pride, which is the opposite, which is something our friend Felicien was still stuck in. Now, what is the effect of us practicing the law of love? It is our moral improvement. And as we are morally improving, becoming more kind and loving, it will ripple out towards others and we're helping this planet with its transition. We're helping to make planet Earth a planet of regeneration where love and charity will be the predominant force and not pain anymore, pain and suffering. And Earth, the consciousness of Earth is us. So it starts right here. Friends, that is the invitation for tonight. And let us wrap up and see whether there is anything else. So we're invited to be perfect, to be more loving and kind, more indulgent, benevolent, and forgiving, to practice charity. Only pride leads people to blame fate for their earthly misfortunes, when in reality, misfortunes result mostly from their own negligence. You have striking example of this from your last incarnation because you had everything you needed to be a happy human being. Wit, talent, wealth, earned respect. You had no, no ruinous vices, but on the contrary, appreciable qualities. How then did you compromise your situation in such a way? Solely by your lack of foresight. You have to agree that if you had acted more prudently, if you had known how to content yourself with the lot apportioned to you, instead of seeking to needlessly add to it, ruin would not have befallen you. There was no fatalism at all because you could have avoided what happened. See friends, and we can avoid star thistle seeds in our gardens as well. Right now, we know we have the recipe. We know what to do. Your trial consisted of a chain of circumstances that should have given you not the necessity, but only the temptation to commit suicide. It is only a temptation. It wasn't a necessity. He had free will and he chose to go for it. Unfortunately for you, despite your talent and education, you didn't know how to overcome those circumstances and you now are suffering the consequences of your weakness the consequences of your weakness law of cause and effect and weakness relates back to lack of courage which we discussed earlier as you have rightly guessed the trial will be renewed once again in your next incarnation you will encounter events that will suggest suicidal ideas to you and this will continue until continue until you have triumphed over them we're going to stop here, dear friends. So we have today, just to recap, we have learned about pride, that we need to, re to release pride more in our own lives because it will only get us into trouble. That It is the root cause of all ignorance. We learned the, about the importance of prayer, which is our the supreme connection, possible option to connect with God. 
always helping others and ourselves. And we know that prayer too is a charitable act. We learned about courage, the importance of courage in our own lives, that the trademarks of the followers of Jesus have courage, have joy, and have hope always. And we learned about patience, that patience and resignations are the antidote to suicide. And of course, the antidote to other strife and challenges in our own lives. And we learned about fatalism, that fatalism is an expression of the law of cause and effect. So it is something that is ultimately has grown out of our own responsibility to do the good or omitting the same. And lastly, we're invited to practice increasingly and renewed the law of love to become more charitable, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to see the good in everyone, to pray for others, to be indulgent with other people's imperfections, and rather working on reducing our own plank in our own eyes than focusing on the speck of others in others' eyes. Dear friends, let us close our eyes and thank God and the good spirits from the bottom of our hearts for this beautiful, immortal lesson, helping us to spread fragrant, juicy seeds into our garden of eternity so that our harvest will be a joyful event in the future where we can frolic and nourish ourselves from the sprouted fruit of the seeds we are planting in our garden today and we're asking to send our love to all those in need to the politicians to people in hospitals in countries where famine reigns and we're asking for the good spirits to come and help every single one of them to be reminded of the law of love and that nobody is ever alone. Divine providence always looks over us and is always ready to help. And with this, we humbly ask for permission to close tonight's study session. And so be it, dear friends. Thank you for joining us. Um, let us see, is there anyone else? Thank you so much and thank you Carol, you before God, suicide is never a necessity. You are so right. It is so important to keep that in our hearts and minds so we will never be tempted in our own lives and in any of our future lives. And let us always remember to reach out and open our hearts to all those who are suffering from suicidal thoughts and ask ourselves how we can be of support. Dear friends, so God willing, we will see you again same time same place in a week, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Cardiac Radio. Thank you, Cardiac Radio, for nourishing our souls. Good night, dear friends.